Praise the Lord from Pastor Strader at Lighthouse Church. Thanks for connecting with us through our podcast. Our prayer is that it's a blessing to you as we try to reach, equip, and mobilize Jesus' name disciples in Apache Junction, Arizona, and the surrounding region. Enjoy today's podcast and come back often. God bless you. We love you. Amen. I hope you've come to hear a word of the, from the Lord because it is my desire not to uh, tickle any ears, but to just share what God has placed on my heart. And I have to tell you that after a weekend like this, uh, it's hard not to leave with so many things in your spirit that you just want to just put it all out there. And so I have to admit to you, I'm a little scattered. My mind is scattered. My spirit's scattered. And uh, I don't know who this is for, but I, I just hope it helps as always. But God is so faithful to us, so good to us. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Hebrews. 12th chapter, and we're going to go to verse 25, Hebrews 12 and 25. I believe yesterday, man, our Saturday session blew up. The worship service just took over, and that was great. And uh, we we know of one healing that that took place that was testified in that service, and uh, we're believing for many more. And just uh, we had several pastors from different churches in the district here and, and thank them for that. And it was just an incredible, incredible weekend. Hebrews 12 and verse 25. See that ye refuse not him that speaketh. For if they escape not who refused him that speak, spake on earth, much more shall, we, shall not we escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven. I want to focus on this line, this part of this, this verse right here. See that ye refuse not him that speaketh. Praise God. Praise God. I want to talk on this topic. I really wanted to call it when Jesus was kicked to the curb. So I just, I just shortened it up and said kick to the curb. Amen. Can we lift our hands one more time, church, and lift our voices and let's just pray that God would help us today. Lord, we thank you, we love you, we appreciate you, we honor you, Lord, for all that you have done, all that you are doing, and all that you are going to do, Lord, we praise you. God, for this word, I ask you that you would anoint these lips of clay, open up every heart, God, to receive. We give you the praise, the glory, and the honor for it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Before I get, you may be seated, before I get go any further, I do want to say thank you to Brother Raul, Brother Javier. Adrian, Gabriel, they stayed after um, and they hung a light at the very top of our church. It's 20,000 lumens. It makes it look like daytime at nighttime. And, uh, and uh, sadly, there was a little bit beyond that could help the situation that happened. But from here on out, it's going to be bright out there at nighttime. And so I thank them for buying the light and, and Brother Javier and them all installing that. I give you honor today. Amen. Praise God. And there'll be more lights going around the building. Uh, he's already purchased those, and so uh, we're going we're gonna to be bright. <laughs> I, I, I called him. I said, 
It doesn't look too much like a lighthouse, does it? Because <laughs> it's right there at the top, you know. And man, it's bright. But uh, it'll be good. What it'll do is not just help those, you know, anybody who's walking out there, but anybody who tries to move around, you know, they'll be more visible. And so we, we and then on our back, we want our children to be safe. And so uh, we want them to stay out of the parking lots. We want them to stay in this, so we can light this up a little bit more. Maybe they'll feel more comfortable to stay where it's lit. Amen. All right, moving in, moving on. <clears throat> That was that was the sermon today. You you may, you may be dismissed, Amen. Praise God. But I, I do wanted to I wanted to give them honor because uh, that was a big project that we needed to get done, Amen. You know we're often reminded of of the story of Jesus entering into Nazareth. I I, I refer to this story so much because it speaks to me so much. Uh, I'm I'm quickly uh, reminded of this verse when perhaps I feel a bit too familiar with the Spirit of God, when I feel perhaps a little too familiar with the moving of the Spirit of God. Uh, and I'm just being transparent with you, not that I'm some supernatural being, because that is absolutely, uh, f- completely false, but just because we're in a lot of services. We have a lot of church, and that's good. I think we ought to do it the more often that we see the time's approaching. And so that's why we had men's retreat. Some say, man, another, another retreat. Well, I'm going to tell you what, some things will happen this weekend that would have not have happened in any other setting than men's retreat. Amen. And so we get perhaps a little familiar. And so I remember this, this, this story that we find in, in, in the Word of God where uh, he enters into his own hometown of Nazareth. And, and they said, uh, hey, Jesus, uh, can you do what you did in Capernaum? <laughs> and you know what they were doing is they were kind of taunting him. They were kind of making fun of him. They were kind of making a jab at him. They were kind of being spiteful in this comment. And uh, the reality is, and I've preached this, but the reality is is that he was a miracle worker in Capernaum. He did some miracles there. He, he, he did some great works there. There was great demonstration of the power of God there. But here in Nazareth, uh, he is just Joseph's son. In Nazareth, he's just the carpenter's son. Uh, In Nazareth, they're very familiar with uh, the man, Jesus Christ, that they cannot receive the God that was ever bit him. And nothing happened there. And let me just plug this. This is not where where I will be focusing, but let me just plug here is that we need to be very careful that God's moving is not so familiar that we are complacent when the power of God is moving. I've said it before, I'm going to say it again. As long as you have strength to stand and worship, we ought to stand and worship. Maybe we just just park right there for a moment. Now, this is a great church. We have great worshipers, great praisers. So surely I'm just confirming a, a big majority of what already happens. But as long as I've got the strength to lift my hands, I'm going to lift my hands. They may be singing a song from 1820, and I don't even know the words, and I don't even really care for it personally, but you know what? If it magnifies the Lord, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name. Is his name being exalted? And so I, I, I just we've got to make a point that we don't become so familiar, and when the power of God is moving in the altar call, I believe wholeheartedly there should never be an altar call that you don't go to. 
everybody. That's from the pastor, the preacher, the everybody. There should be no altar that you don't go to. Altar call. Because the very moment that you say, that's not for me, you have become too familiar. Well, I've already got the Holy Ghost. Well, you need a refilling of the Holy Ghost. Well, that was just a, that was just a, a lesson. I'm going to tell you what. I got to find a place to pray. Praise God. We, we've got to be careful that we're not so familiar at the moving of the Holy Ghost. It's not always running, jumping, and shouting. It's not all about the emotion and all. Just because we don't have that doesn't mean God's not moving in a powerful way. Amen. Praise God. Just because there's no preaching doesn't mean that we didn't have good service. I don't like that perspective. I can't stand that perspective. Amen. We become very familiar. And this is what happened here. And, and of course, you, you know the story. They kicked him out. And uh, we, we hear that. We know that scripture all so well. That very last saying to you in Luke 4, no prophet is accepted in his own country. Praise God. It wasn't very long that Jesus was cast out of his hometown in Luke 4, 29. And they rose up and they thrust him out of the city and led him into the brow of the hill whereon their city was built and they might cast him down headlong. I find it intriguing, this story, because it unfortunately embodies what happens in many lives. We become that familiar, had that familiar spirit with the Spirit of God. And, and somehow that Spirit of God loses its awestruck wonder. And it loses its power to work in our lives. And, and I've just got to tell you, I think Brother Gissel has already said it. But if we are unwilling to move, God is unwilling to move. I think, I think we can tie the hands of God. I think we can limit the power of God. God is limitless. He can do all things in heaven and in earth. There is simply nothing that our God cannot do. He can do all things. But when we will not move, when we will not act, and we will not act in obedience to the word of God, we literally tie the hands of God. Could he move? Sure he could, but he is a gentleman. That's right, sister. He's not going to force himself on anybody, but he's wondering who wants me, who wants me, who wants the presence and the power of God. But it's really not that rejection that I want to focus on. That's not the story that I want to talk about. But for a few moments, I'd like to focus on the rejection that we find in Matthew chapter 8 and verse 28 when it says, And when he was coming to the other side of the country, of the Gergesians, there might him... He met there him two possessed with devils coming out of the tombs exceedingly fierce so that no man might pass by that way. Here we find two men that are possessed with devils. Not just one devil, but devils. And behold, they cried out saying, What have we to do with thee, Jesus, thou son of God? The devil knows who he is. He knows his name. The devil's called it right there, right there in Scripture. Jesus, thou Son of God, art thou come hither to torment us before the time? 
And there was a good way off from them and a herd of many swine feeding. Here we find a big herd of pigs that were feeding. Verse 31, so the devils besought him saying, if thou cast us out, suffer us to go away into the herd of swine. And he said unto them, I love this, go. Some of us want to prop it up and put a whole message together. God just said, go. Listen, when God speaks, that's all it requires. It can just be the touch of the hem of the garment. It, 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 you don't have to hear this big thundering word of the Lord. What you need to do is just heed to the word of God he's already told you. Amen. I, w- I was watching something. I've, I'm going to pause. So you just have to pause that thought and let's start another thought. But I was listening to a message last night by Brother Jeff Arnold. And, and, and I, you know what? I'm just going to pull it up because, uh, you know, that's what I do. We'll just pause and, and then uh, move to a different track. And then I'll preach it in two months. Amen. But Because uh, I, I wrote it down. But it said, what would you try if you believed God would back you? What would you do if you knew and believed that God would back you? Who would you pray for if you knew God was going to heal? That's how we need to respond to the power and the obedience of the word of God. What would you do? It doesn't require God to to make this big message or sermon. All he has to say is go. Be healed. All he's got to do is snap his finger. You know what I'm saying? It's not got to be this big drawn out deal. One touch of the Lord can solve every problem. One touch of the master's hand can solve every depression, every anxiety, every issue, every financial problem, every sickness, every disease, every illness, every family problem. One touch of the hand of the Lord. And when they were come out, they went into the herd of swine. And behold, the whole herd of swine ran violently down a steep place into the sea and perished in the waters. And they that kept them fled and went their ways into the city and told everything and was what was befallen to the possessed devils. They ran into the city and began to tell them a little bit about what just happened. And verse 34, And behold, the whole city came out to meet Jesus. What a way to get the attention. What a way to get the attention of a city. And when they saw him, they besought him that he would depart out of their coast. Now this perplexed me. I just cannot comprehend it in my pea-sized brain this morning. Why in the world the man who is a miracle-working God The man who has raised the dead walks on water, turns water into wine. The God that can do all things. And and by the way, the city did have devils in the city. Surely the, the city town folk would be appreciative that there's no longer evil there in those two men. Surely there'd be at least two men that would say, thank you for casting out the devil in my life. But the word of God says that the whole city rose up against him and they began to besought him that he would depart out of their coast. And I began to ask the question, why in the world that when that word besought means they begin to beg God, will you please leave? Will you please get out of here? Will you please move on to the next person? Will you please talk to the next person? Will you go to the next church? Will you go to the next town? Will you go to the next city? 
Please, don't come into my life. Don't, don't talk to me about that. Why? Why would they want to beg the God that can do all things to get out? Surely, surely they would be thankful of the acts that he had done and that he had performed. Surely it would show his power and prompt them to desire him all the more. Well, if he can cast out demons, what more can he do? If he can heal cancer, if he can heal spots, if he can heal liver, liver cancer, if he can touch this or that, what more can he do? That's what it should prompt. But instead, they began to beg, you've got to leave here. You've got to get out of here. We, we, don't, we don't really want you here. I'll answer that question, why would they beg for Jesus to leave? I'll answer it with another question. Why, when Jesus offers us freedom, when he offers you freedom from your bondage and forgiveness of your sins and, and a future of eternal hope, why would you turn him down? Can I tell you the answer to the question, why would they turn him, why would they beg for him to leave, is the same answer to the question of why people, every time the church doors are open, will leave the church building the same way that they came. The answer is the same to the question of why that person would not come to the altar of prayer and yield their heart to God. It's the same answer. And can I tell you that when we refuse to answer to the spoken voice of God, we are doing exactly what this town did. Don't talk to me about that. Don't deal with me about my attitude. Don't deal with me about my spirit. Don't, don't, don't rise up in this area. I'm confident in this area. I'm sure in this area. You be careful where you're treading, uh, pastor. You be careful where you're going, pastor. You be careful where you're headed, preacher. Don't, don't get into that place with me. Hmm. I believe so wholeheartedly that we have areas in our hearts, every single one of us, that in, even if it's just uh, uh, without purposely doing it, we almost put caution tape around it. Or uh, better yet, the, the tape says, get out. Get out of this area. You know, you can talk to me about this and you can deal with me about that and, and you can convict me about this, but this right here, this is the hill that I'm willing to die on. Well, friend, you will die in an eternal death. We've got to be willing to give God everything. Hey, listen, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. And I'm willing to admit that I'm dead wrong. And I'm not too good to go and ask for forgiveness. I'm not too good to tell God I'm wrong. I'm not too good to say, God, I've got some things in my life that you know what? I simply don't want everybody to, to realize or to know, but Lord, I, you, you, I'm exposed to you. You can have it, everything. But instead, this town, they began to beg him. They began to beseech him that they would depart from the coast. And I, I asked this question, oh God, why would they beg for him to go? 
It's the same reason why so many will stand in a church service with their hands gripped on the pew or the seat in front of them and unwilling to move and unwilling to go to the altar. It's the reason why preachers get behind a pulpit and preach to people and say, why don't you find an altar? Why don't you make a move? And they just stand there. It's the same reason why people will walk out of a church service the very moment that the altar call is made. It's the same reason why we won't worship when the praise and worship is going on because in our hearts, whether we say it or not, we're saying, don't touch me in that area. Move on to the next person. Oh God. Why? Why would we do that? I'm going to tell you three reasons why I believe that spirit comes upon us. The first is, if it had not only it had not only delivered the men who were possessed with those demons and those spirits and those devils, but it disrupted the whole entire town. When Jesus arrived and brought deliverance from bondage, it disordered everything. We're used to how this town runs. We're used to how our lives go. Were they demon possessed? Sure, but we were familiar with that. We accepted that. We were far removed from accepting that, you know what, we got these two crazy guys in our town. Mm. I wonder what we are accepting in our lives that is evil. And we refuse to address it like the true men and the women that God has created us to be. I'm all about doing things in the spirit of humility. But I'm going to tell you what, there are some things where I'm sorry, I, my, I, I, that boldness begins to rise up in my spirit. Jesus is going to disrupt and disorder your life. Well, I know this is different. We, we preach all about how God puts the pieces back together, and He does. But can I tell you first, it has to be completely and totally broken. It's got to be, you know what? Your life, some, I'm going to tell you, I'll just speak for myself. My life's already messed up. I need God. So you know what? It's already in disorder, but I want it to be heavenly in order, disordered. I want it to be divinely disordered. Oh, God. Hallelujah. Some people may look at me. They may look at my life. They may look at your life and say, oh, it's in disorder, but I've got to be heavenly disordered. Jesus is going to disrupt and disorder your life. He's going to change you. He may change your direction. He may change your heart. He's going to change some addictions that you have. Oh, don't touch those, God. Sometimes we don't even consider them addictions, but you know what? They are offense to us. They are a, they are a, a kryptonite to us. They are something that we are drawn to. And, and instead of being drawn to prayer or being drawn to God, we're drawn to this. And God's saying, hey, as long as you're begging me to be away, I'll be away. As long as you want to be bound, you can be bound. But at some point, we've got to accept some disruption in our life. At some point, we've got to say, you know what? I'm, I've got to get this fixed. I've got to address this thing head on. I need some, I need some help. Oh, we don't want to admit that we need help. 
that pride inside of our we don't want to admit that we're wrong we don't want to admit that we're that we're in error we don't want to admit that we need some help but I'm going to tell you just over the pulpit right now I need help I need help I need the help of a pastor. I need the help of Brother Caldwell. I need the help of this church. I'm not too good to admit that I can't do it all. I'm not too good to admit that I don't need elders and voices in my life that can speak to me, that can rebuke me. That's just how I feel. I feel that every person should have someone in their life. I believe that is found in the word of God. We don't have time to go through all of the stories, but it's found all the way from Genesis to Revelation. There needs to be somebody in your life uh, that can speak life to you, uh, that can reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all long suffering. Uh, There needs to be that person in your life. And if you're unwilling to accept that voice, I believe you are telling God, just go. Just go. I got it figured out. I got it all up in here. I feel it in my spirit. I feel it in my heart. I'm right. I'm going to tell you what. You may be right, but you are definitely wrong. I'm telling you. You could be a whole lot of right and be a whole lot of wrong at the same time. Praise God. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost in this service. I I know this is different. I know this is perhaps a different topic. And I'm scattered all over the place right now. But I'm just talking to you where my heart is right now. We've got to get to the place where we're okay with God disrupting some things in our life. And I'm even talking to the church folk. The church folk that we think we got it all figured out. We think we're all we got. We're, we man, you know what? We're just we're just man. You some of us holier than now. I'm gonna tell you what. I don't want to be a part of that group. I'm gonna tell you what. I'm a sinner saved by grace. I don't have it all worked out. I'm not perfect. Nowhere close to perfection. Ask my wife. She'll tell you. He's far from perfection. Far from perfection. I still need work. I still need a chisel. I need God to correct me. I need God to disorder some things in me. I need God to shake me. I need God to tear up some things in me. Get that out of your house. Get that out of your heart. Get that out of your life. Stop talking like that. Stop making that joke. Stop going there. Stop talking like that. Don't do that anymore. Don't wear that anymore. I'm telling you, it's going to require some disruption. And I refuse for this to be my, for this to be a home and for this to be a church where we are unwilling to receive the disruption from heaven. Sometimes the preached word of God, it hurts and it stings. But my Lord, I want to be saved. I want to be right. I want to be perfectly aligned with God. And I'm going to tell you what, this church is growing and it's going to continue. But I refuse to let down on some standard. I refuse to push back the bar of holiness and sanctification and salvation all for the cause of a bigger building. We will preach truth and not only will we preach it, but we will live it. And that's going to disrupt some people's lives. And they're going to beg them, let's go to a different church. Get that preaching out of here. Get that kind of teaching out of here. I don't want to receive that. That doesn't mesh with my spirit. That's right, it doesn't mesh with carnality. It doesn't mesh with the flesh. Now, I don't know about you, but there's been some preached words of the Lord where it's hit my flesh, and I'm like, nope, don't like that. 
nope, don't like that. Don't, don't like that. Nope, that hurts. That hurts too much. Move on. God's saying, no, 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 no. If you want to be in the perfect will of God, don't kick me to the curb, but let me stay right here and let me work on this this right here for a little bit. Let me work on that bad attitude. Let me work on that bad spirit. Let me work on this little issue. Let me work on that little problem. All for sanctification. All for making you more like me. You say you want to be like me. You proclaim it on the rooftops, but in your secret closet, in your home, it doesn't look the same way. You're begging me to leave. Man, I, I did not plan to say half the things that I just I'm following the will of the Lord, the voice of God. We say we want God in our homes. Yet we put to death what the church is trying to resurrect. And we resurrect what the Lord is trying to put to death. There's some things that need to die in our homes. I said, there's some things that need to die in our homes. There's some entertainment that needs to die in our homes. There's some ungodliness that needs to go away in our homes. I'm telling you, this is dis- it's disrupting. You know what? The, the world's going to look at it and be like, man, why do you live like that? Why do you look like that? Why do you not do that? Why don't you? I'm going to tell you what. All I can tell you is he disrupted me. I, you know what? My mind can't understand it either. This flesh can't comprehend it either. But my spirit says, I've got to be in perfect alignment with God. I want him in my home. I want him in my church. I want him in my life. If it disrupts my mentality or my, my theology, so be it. Praise God, praise God. When he comes to town, to do the town of your heart, I'm telling you, there's going to be some feelings that's going to be disrupted. There's going to be some thoughts that's going to be disrupted. There's going to be some beliefs that's going to be disrupted. There's going to be some opinions that are going to be disruptive. And the devils knew that when he was coming to town that they were going to be disrupted. They knew exactly what was going on the whole time. They knew that the very moment that they smelt Jesus coming into town, they began to shake in their boots because they knew that disruption was coming to the town. And you know, it's so much that they cried out. They cried out before anybody else. And they said, what have we to do with you? Jesus, thou son of God, art thou come hither to torment us before the time? The enemy simply does not want you to totally surrender your life because he knows that when and you totally surrender your life, uh, there's going to be some heavenly disruption. And what you used to bow down to this world, you no longer bow down to. The job you used to bow down to, you no longer bow down to. It's just a means to see the kingdom progress. What, what would happen if we viewed our job that way? I work this job just to further the kingdom. I don't serve this job. I serve the kingdom. You know what? It it, it brings some disruption because this flesh wants more of this. This flesh wants a new vehicle. This flesh wants more things. This flesh wants a bigger bank account. This flesh flesh wants security of a a retirement account. But God's saying, hey, just follow my, my, my voice. Will you not hearken to my voice? You know what? And you know what? I'm going to tell you what. God has always been faithful. I've just, I'm, you know, maybe he's not been faithful to anybody here, but I hear some amen, so I know there's a few. But I'm going to tell you what. You simply cannot and will not outgive the Lord. 
And I'm not just talking of $100 bills. I'm talking about your time and your talent and your treasure. You're not going to help give God. There's going to be some times God comes to you and it's going to disrupt your life. He's going to say, give this. And he's going to be like, well, that's a disruption. I didn't expect that. I'm just, I'm just going to be blunt and be honest with you. God began to deal with me about something. It was a financial-related deal. And I began to, I began to just kind of, in my, in my mind, I began to kind of rationalize, well, God, I do it this way because of this, this, and this. And I'm, you know what? I feel that's right. And God said, but what if I asked you to do it differently? Would you do it? Or do you like your paychecks more than you like my will? And I said, God, forgive me. Forgive me. Forgive me. There's no $100 bill or $200 or $50 a week or a month that is worth being out of the will of God. So I'm going to change up my methodology. I could, I could go into the book. I can go into all of the history. I can do all that if I wanted to and try to prove my point. But God, you know what? It doesn't make sense. He shook me. He, he, he invaded my mentality and my thought process. And, and even perhaps the way I was raised. But God said, would you do it if I asked you to do it? And I've come to tell you, friend, the answer is yes every single time. If he asked me to sell my cars, friend, I'll be going to the dealership and I'll be selling the vehicles. If God tells me to do it, I'm going to do it because I want to be in the will of God. It's going to be some disruption. But the enemy will convince you. He'll do everything he can to beg you to leave. Everything he can to con- convince you to stay at your seat, your at your seat versus coming to the altar. Everything he can do to convince you that you don't need this type of disruption in your life. You know what he does? He gets us so comfortable in pain and bondage. Just stick with it. Just stick with that pain. It's not all that bad. When you go to that altar, God's going to require some things. Is that why we don't come to the altar? Because we know when we get there, we'll know what he's going to ask. And I'm unwilling to give it. So I'm going to stay right here. I'm not stupid. I know what, I know what it's going to require. So I'm just going to stay right here. Friend, let me just humbly and with all love in my spirit as I can, you are walking on thin, thin ice. You are taking a chance on your life, not just this flesh, but this soul that lives inside of you. You are taking the very chance of eternal death and hell. It's not worth it. It's simply not worth it. I pray God disrupt me. Disrupt my world. Disrupt my my house if you have to. Disrupt my everything. I don't want to be like that city that said, please leave and just kick God to the curb. But we do that when we will not obey the voice of God. Romans 
receive it if you want to. Don't if you don't want if you can't. I'm, I, I, can't help, I can't make you receive it, but I'm telling you, we've got to be very careful that we're not kicking God to the curb in some areas that he's dealing with us on. And let me just say this real quick, and I'm going to close. We're not going to finish this today. I just got to follow the will of the, the voice of God. Can I tell you that what is done in secret will always come to light. Furthermore, what is done in secret is far more revealing than what is done in public. We can pose, we can be a poser if we want to. God has a way of revealing what he needs to reveal. I don't say that in a mean or ha-ha, got you kind of way. I'm saying that as, hey, be careful. Let God disrupt you. Let God challenge you. Let God upset you in your spirit. We need to be very careful how we talk about each other. I said we need to be very careful how we talk about each other. The last I checked, we're brothers and sisters here. The last I checked, we're trying to go to heaven together. And I don't care who it is you're talking to. I don't care if it's even your spouse. You need to be very careful, and I need to be very careful. As I got one point at you, I got three pointing right back at me. We need to be very careful how we talk about our brothers and our sisters. Because you better understand God hears what you're saying. Furthermore, he sees your text messages. Well, that just went over like a lead balloon. Just because you text it, you don't think God can see it? Just because you're texting and talking about this brother or this sister or talking negatively? Well, I'm just joking. Friend, you need to stop joking about your friend and your brother that way. They are a child of God. Oh, this disrupts some mentality. This, this is disrupting some of our thinking. But I've come to tell you, God sees it and he knows it and he knows your heart. And it's dangerous. It's so dangerous. I don't care if you like the person. I don't care if you care for the person or not. I don't care if they make you upset. I don't even care if you think you're right. You can be a whole lot of right and be a whole lot of wrong. When you start talking about your brother or your sister in a negative light, that is a child of God. That is a child of God. Oh God, create in me, O oh Lord, a heart that can hear and hearken to the voice of God. Disrupt me if you have to. Let's all stand right now. I'm not finished, but I'm through today. You'll have to come back another service to get point two and three. But I feel God wants to minister to us right here, right now. Surely I have not mentioned every fill, fill in the blank that is here that relates to every person. But I do think and I do feel, and yet I even know, 
I'm preaching to a whole lot of people that are filled with the Holy Ghost. But even Holy Ghost filled people need correction. Even Holy Ghost filled people need some disruption. some theologies that live and breathe in this congregation saying that it's sinful and altogether perhaps it's just a weight but I believe with all of my heart the reason I've been so scattered is because exactly what I feel right now God's challenging this church to receive instruction to receive yea even I rebuke I'm not going to run away from it could you find another church sure you could you're not running away from a pastor or from a church you're running away from God have to come? Do you have to give it to the Lord? Well, I guess you don't. But just know you're walking away from freedom. Just know you're walking away. Jesus has just stepped into town. The miracle worker is in the house. For some, he's got the chisel and the hammer. That's me. But for others, perhaps he's got a whole lot of other things for your life and for your heart and for your situation. And there is not one person or the sound of my voice that God is not trying to minister and talk to. And I just wonder if there's somebody here that would lift your hands up as a resemblance to Lord. I'm taking down the do not touch tape around my life. I'm removing anything that may be hidden or off limits to you. I give you, I'll shed light on every part of my heart. Shed light on every part of this church. Disrupt us if you have to. Disrupt this, this church if you have to from a heavenly point of view. I don't want to simply just go through the motions and check a checkbox. But God, I want to do something that is supernatural. I want to be somebody that is following after the will, the purpose, and the divine will of God. If I'm out of alignment, get me back in alignment. Perhaps that would be your prayer, God. Send heavenly disruption to me if you have to, Lord. I got to be right. I got to be saved. I've got to be pure. My conversation needs to be right. My conversation must be pure and holy.
not demeaning and belittling. God, what I give, what I sacrifice will not be withholding with strings attached. God, I remove the strings for you to have your will, for you to have your way, for you to have your plan in my life. You are welcome here, Lord. Somebody begin to pray, Jesus, you're welcome. You're welcome in this church. You're welcome in this home. You're welcome in this heart. You're welcome in every part of my life. Hallelujah. And forgive me if I've ever, ever begged you to go. Thank you. 